0: The day of the wedding, I think, you know, you've got to get the kill on being Scottish, yeah? And when I'm I've got the kill on, I think I'm super Scottish, pal, right? And that means I think I can drink whiskey. But I, can't, I can't drink whisky, what the f***? So basically I'm drinking whiskey, cocktails, beers, smoking a dope, I'm completely at the game by f***ing <laughs> midday basically. Right? My sister then appears at the hotel window and I was like, f***ing hell, how'd sh- that? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't actually do it. You can't even in that condition, the rest of the night, you
1: know? <laughs> Hello, friends. It's a very special day for me because I get to have my lovely friend Billy Watson on the podcast. Uh, Billy is a stand-up comedian, um, which I just think is one of the bravest things on the planet you can do, mate. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks very much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and I'm, I'm, and it's reciprocal, isn't it? Because you kindly had me on uh, Billy Watson TV. And I saw mm-hmm. what you did there with the what's on.
0: <laughs> Not many <laughs> people get that. but uh, Yes, how um,
1: how's beautiful, beautiful Scotland?
0: It's, as usual, kind of grey and cold, but that's we're used to it. Maybe in June we'll get a, a sunny day.
1: <laughs> yes. So
0: how did you get into comedy? How did I get into comedy? Well, back in the day I was trying to get a rock band going, um, with my mate, we had a big fallout, so then I tried to get other people drafted in. One of those people was this girl, she was quite a good songwriter, but she handed me a video of David Dyke turning off the tide, which is about an hour and a half long. I can remember actually just taking it out, the, the video player, after watching it and putting the news on, and just realising how much the news were lying to us, because we never heard of things like the Bilderberg Group and Council of Foreign Relations which were obviously real things that I gathered from watching the video and never heard them in the news. So it's like somebody's not telling the full story here. David Ike was in Edinburgh a couple of weeks later, so I went with the girl and her sister to watch them, literally five or six people in the audience. And then I was working night shifts, so I continued my... I was talking to somebody the other day, but instead of going down the rabbit holes, you should go up the rabbit holes, because it's like increasing your knowledge and consciousness, but anyway. Since then... Basically, David Icke, not long after that, he started talking about um, Bill Hicks, maybe even during that video itself, um, the first one I watched, but that made me aware of him.
1: Don't worry, don't be afraid, ever, because this is just a ride.
0: Then I watched Bill Hicks, and I'm like, ah, I can do talk about all this stuff in comedy, so I kind of put the music basically on the back burner. I wish I'd kept the lessons going, but anyway, um, I started doing comedy then and invented some different characters. The first one was called The Great White Shaft. And it was basically, after trying to improvise, and i have done quite well improvising, but they were saying, oh, you need a type five, you need a script. So I wrote this comedy script, and it was all about waking up and trying to talk to your friends, trying to talk to your mother and family, and them not listening. And then I, I wanted a revolution. So it was like, if everyone didn't pay their TV licence, they would give you a free TV li- licence and stuff like that, and out of that would come a revolution. I tried that in the clubs for a while, but I found what you fight, you become... So I was like a fascist dictator myself. I didn't care if folk laughed. I just wanted them to join my revolution. And if they didn't, I want to take them outside for a fight, (laughs) which isn't very good if you've seen my arms, you know. So I was going to (laughs) lose that in. (laughs) But then basically I started doing comedy and other things after that, more like Billy Colony storytelling. And I was writing a lot of poetry, lyrics, uh, uh, originally, when I was trying to get the band going. So I kept writing lyrics and, um, yeah, all about trying to wake people up and... Even the I was doing the funny comedy, I was trying to get raw to get general public interested, so then if they went to my website, they would see this other stuff I've done and talk about video blogs, and, you know, talking about all this stuff. And um, just, yeah, because I think when you get to a certain level of awareness of this stuff, it's kind of a responsibility to try and tell other people about it. Otherwise, what's the point in just keeping it in your own head? So it's mm-hmm. almost a matter of duty that I keep plodding on with this stuff, you know? <laughs>
1: When there's people out there that are receptive to learning, they need to hear it. And you mentioned Bill Hicks and, and the wonderful David Icke, right? David's very kindly been on been on the show. So's his son, Gareth. And it's when they say, right, we are all one consciousness, experiencing, you know... Self-subjectively. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. That was one of the most powerful things I ever heard from two people you could tell were genuine they, they genuinely cared for humanity in almost like a like a Jesus, you know, Yeshua like like way. That helped form the foundation of my uh my spiritual awakening, which has now led me to a place it's just incredible, Billy. You know, it, it's
0: just the most I just didn't think life could be this good. I never sent my son to school as soon as I started wanting the children to wear any mask. And, uh, yeah, I was sending letters, emails to the school every time they were sending notices out. I was replying with lots of information about why they're talking nonsense mm. <laughs> and find it here, find it here. And I kept doing it and telling them we're talking nonsense. And eventually they threatened me and said, we're going to get the school police officer onto you if you don't stop sending his emails. Just read, you
1: just got to read 1984 to, to, to know what's going on. What was it like the first time you got on stage?
0: The first time um was one of the I thought it went all right. It was a five minute gig at the Stand Comedy Club. They had a night called Red Raw. So I didn't realise actually how scripted a comedian's most comedian sets are. I thought they just got on stage and went for it. So that's basically what I'd done. i was just kinda never really had any ideas of topics or anything. I just think got on blabbed for I can remember talking about the Mayan calendar and 2012 was coming and it was going to be the end of the world or something like that at some point. But when I got off, I had um, a couple of girls at the bar tell me they liked it. So I thought it was great. But then I got the, the sound guy, guy in the booth. He was telling me I might have wanted uh, to have written some jokes <laughs> in there. I was like, oh, jokes? All right, you need to do that, do So anyway, I done it again at that place and I, I was a bit more timid the second time because... The first time it was a bit brash and just going for it, and then I said, "This anyway." It went not too bad the second time. I got it right up in the paper, where basically I said, "This is my second gig, and hopefully the next one will go better." But then I did a comedy course at the stand, and I never paid much attention to what they were trying to teach me. And then on the night of the big showcase, I got I had a couple of drinks, and I had I tried to rant about politics, and it was the most disastrous experience ever. It just went so horrifically, horrifically bad. The guy from the stand basically says, go away for a while and sort out of your shit. <laughs> so I actually wrote a poem about that and I talk about that. I made a joke out of it, you know. Um, but basically, that was the first experience of, oh, my God, this is bad.
1: <laughs> hey, but two things there. A, what brilliant material to, to go back and go over. Look, my first gig or my second gig. up. Oh. I crashed and burned, (laughs) right? I'm going to tell you what it's... Right, that, and then also the fact that you... What a lesson for everyone watching. You got back up and made a success of it.
0: Well, I don't know if I made a success of it because, to be honest, I've been an outcast and a black sheep for quite a number of years and I've been doing my own thing, doing my own shows at the Edinburgh Festival and I've never really been part of the comedy world. I'm barred and ostracised from, well, literally every... Club in Scotland. My name isn't good because of various things over the years where I've stood up to certain people, made my opinion known in certain things, and now I'm just nobody touches me but a Also, done a comedy character called Nob Stewart, and that was intentionally way out there. You know, it's, it's actually it was a way that because my material is actually quite ex- strong, and the poetry sometimes I write poems and. I, go, the, I wrote them for the character first initially called Hamus McScotty I had a green town suit my dad gave me with big flares, put a green Jimmy hat on and then wrote these poems of this character life, my, my life stories but exaggerated so the, when I do them as myself people think oh my god this guy's mental so I've done that behind a character for a while Nob Stewart just to try and yeah because it's hard when you're so raw and real People can't really handle that. So I was using the character just to, to be myself, almost, if you know what I mean, and just a exaggerated uh, person.
1: Hey, can I say something though? Doug Stanhope, I know he's one of your favourite comedians, definitely one of mine, just absolute, absolute legend. He won't play mainstream gigs.
0: Well, I've realised this. You know? I've realised it wasn't made for me, that whole scene now. And now getting involved in that Comcast, that was the first opportunity I had where I had a crowd of people that could understand the material I wrote 20 years ago almost. That's what I performed that night, on the Friday night. And uh, yeah, it was just so good to like oh, have an audience that kind of appreciates what I'm doing because it's hard to make all that stuff funny. So a lot of it can be a little bit more like a show, a presentation, you know, with funny bits in it. Rather than trying to make people laugh, 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 that's a different thing. I can do that. I try to do that as well, but I get more enjoyment for trying to make serious stuff, you know, palatable or funny or, you know, say something well in the joke, not just have jokes. Because so many comedians these days, they're talking. It might be amusing, but what they're actually saying, what have these people actually got to say about anything? Absolutely zero. So why
1: are we listening to them? <laughs> it's the same with, um, youtube in mate really uh, um, there's so many people talking about what's going on but they do it in a way of spitting bile all, all the time down in a woke age you know, this de, transgender dah, never offers solution and all it is 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 like fear 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 porn Hitting people's dopamine because they, because people are upset. They they they've got questions. They know something's like really wrong. Quite a lot of people, and it's just taken a, It's taken advantage, and it's why my channel we we just grow steadily, but but fairly slowly, is because we tell you know I'm not here to 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 scandalise on people and 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 hook them in with their dopamine. I'm here to say listen this is what's going on in society but this is how you get out of it it's called the spiritual battle everything's a combination of energy frequency and vibration so if you want to change your reality you have to change your thinking not other people's although that that will come and it and it starts with you know it starts with you but of course that's not very popular, but people want like let's rise up against the government and screw these gay people, all these transgender people, all these. It's just it's just divisive, just divisive. So, but I think the best comedians just tell stories, don't they? Like the 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 comedy element is inherent in in telling the
0: story. Um well, I've got this book of funny poem stories and within there you can put a line or two just one or two drop a line within a funny story that can be quite powerful like I've got a line of one about my dad he has those no, my dad is like a politician he has no sense of guilt or shame and just kind of drop that and you know it can be effective way just to give that little bit of power to the people kind of thing in your poem you know <laughs> uh, you came
1: out the line it was so funny you said I'm not a big fan of the police, but they're a big fan of me.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, every time I get in my car, they take my picture. But I don't know. I, I usually, I forgot to explain that because I'm driving down the street and it's flash, flash, flash. <laughs> Hopefully people got that, but I should maybe make it more clear. No, but I got they, they it.
1: A- I just love the fact that you said they're a big fat. Just that alone conjured up images is they're always giving you hard time.
0: Oh, right, okay, that, right. I never Thank thought you. of it, is that.
1: Yeah, no, it's... it's uh, <laughs> and then when you said, you know, they're always taking pictures of me in my car.
0: <laughs> so let's... um I actually done that skit that i done way back at the start. I can remember one of the gigs I'd done. There was three guys laughing up the back of the room quite a lot, especially that bit where the police come, hello, hello, hello. what's going on here? People not behaving like conditioned robots. And then after that, I talked to them and they were policemen. This is a weird police. We actually loved what you're saying there, mate. (laughs) 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 They could see the the scenario they're in as well. (laughs) That reminded me when I I
1: was a doorman in Hong Kong on a few clubs over there and you're standing up like on the top balcony trying to do your bounce a bit, you know, look, look, cool and calm and looking, you know, looking around for security and all this sort of stuff. And like you get people eyeballing you all like, right. literally like there's a bloke there and he's just, you you can see, just can't take his eyes off you. And of course, in our little paranoid, broken minds, I, I'm there thinking, oh, he wants to go, does he? Oh yeah. All, all right, right, mate. I'm, I'm You know, all I'm right. not looking at you, but I'm aware you're looking yeah, and then at the end of the night, you stood on the door, you know, saying goodbye to people. And the guy comes up and goes, mate, I just want to say, you look like really professional when you're up there and you're all like handsome and, and, and looking after the crowd. Thanks ever so much, mate. All right. And then other people come up, shake your hand, and they do the old tuck of 50 quid. In, in Hong Kong, right. that's 500 bucks. They they tuck it in there and, they, and you're like, I see. That's great, aye? You never I used know.
0: To women staring at me in clubs. <laughs> but that was not the reason I wanted them.
1: <laughs> it was him, officer. Aye. What about um hecklers then? How 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 did how do you deal with them?
0: Yeah, I've had a few I, like I don't indulge hecklers very much, you know. To me a heckle should add to the show. You know, if it's just, I've had one guy at an Edinburgh show, he's just the drunkest man in the universe. And literally every time I tried to do something, he would blurt out something and spoil it for everyone, you know, and it was really torturous. And he thought it was all fun and having a good time. It's like, no, mate, you're just a disaster. Mm. And yeah, I had another one around about the time that UKIP was kicking off, uh, and there was a national party or something like that, and I was voting about it. I'd just come back from Turkey after seven years. And I lived here for eight months before going back for another four. But during that eight months, I was saying about, oh, I went to get a job in the local factory. And then at the break time, I went for my break and I thought I'd been teleported to Poland. And basically, this guy stood up and says I was being racist. Because of that, I was just making an observation, you know. And then I said, basically, Lenny Henry, eh, I voted for UKIP, basically, just to get rid of Lenny Henry because that was in the papers at the time. And it's like, not because he's black, just because he's a shit comedian. But by this time, this guy stormed up and left. And like, the room had turned on me, so I just went on a seven-minute rant. <laughs> with no laughs at all, just me ranting about fucking everything. That's how I deal with it. <laughs> I should try and be more funny.
1: <laughs> Mate, if they hit you with a racism card, just say, I'm not racist. I hate everybody. <laughs> Aye. Man, he, he, he back. It was a different scene, wasn't it? Back then, you know, it's very easy to go with the woke crowd and get influenced by all that. When you're not sort of very well, can we say, versed in the world and and what's going on in it? And it was like Jim Davison. I mean, growing up, he was like a hero to us all. Oh. He was a he was a cool guy. He he always had a sexy girl on his arm always drove a a Rolls Royce. It was all, you know, ticking all the boxes. Bloody hilarious. And and it was of its time. We know that now. Well, you know,
0: this is the thing. That could be the start of this, because a lot of these comedians, obviously, oh, racist, whatever, but maybe they were like a relief valve because that was the start of immigration and stuff like that, you know? there was lots of people in Britain were dealing with the reality of lots of foreign cultures coming. And I don't know, humour was the way of, yeah, maybe it's off its time. But again, it's the context in which you say things and, you know, we can talk about these things. It's important to raise these issues Mm -hmm. and if we can laugh about them, just But these days, if you raise the issue itself, that's not allowed, you know? Billy, let's go back and talk about the greats then.
1: Doug Stanhope, Bill Hicks, obviously bill burr who's who's quite uh, contemporary i suppose you'd say and uh joe rogan i'm not a fan of joe rogan <laughs> the reason i wrote joe rogan is first of all i admire anyone that's gets up there and tries to be funny very brave thing to do right i do think joe's not very funny um <laughs> And when when he has these comedy greats on his podcast like Bill Burr, like Doug Stanhope, I I wonder if they're just like being a bit nice to him, right. <laughs> you know? Because they really are like the funniest men on the planet. And like I say, good credit to Joe for giving it a go, but he he seems like he has to try quite hard. If you know what I mean, and.
0: Yeah, I just, I watched him in the early days and he was kind of all right, but he didn't grab me as somebody I was a fan of. And then he went on to his podcast and his, you know, wrestling thing. So I think he's just kind of got a name that keeps the comedy going, probably. Or, you know, whatever. I'm not a big fan. I don't watch his podcast much. I think he's shilling. I don't know about shilling, but... I don't know. For instance, the moon thing, he's retracted what he said about ah. that. These kind of things, you know. So you wonder, then he got the million dollar... Contract or whatever for hundred million for Spotify, but yeah. you know it's like people in GB News, you know maybe they they want to talk about more, but they can't because of who they're working for. I, I don't know. I don't watch enough Joe Rogan to really comment that much. I just my son shows me clips then again, and you get certain guests that are interesting. And but I think he's a big pusher of this whole ayahuasca. You know, go and get fucked at your tits and culture and young people, and they're all taking DMT everywhere these days. These things should be done with a proper shaman and, you know, in the right condition and setting. And I think it's quite dangerous. People like even Terrence McKenna was talked about as being, you know, the mushroom guy, but he's called a CIA agent. And if you look at the Gordon Wasson, where the whole psychedelic movement came from, he was a CIA agent. And that started in Time magazine promoting the mushrooms these mushroom cults, maybe it's just to be used locally by these people, and there's, there's a guy called Jan Irvin who talks about them, the mushroom cults in the past were like cannibals, or they've done crazy stuff, and now we're putting all this out there. I, I watched this other guy, this guy called Frank who took a lot of um, DMT and stuff and he's basically opened his mind up that much this demon now lives inside him. So when you open up these like I've after ayahuasca and 13 times with a proper shaman And, you know, at the end of it, he's got natural tobacco from the jungle and he's blowing it on your head to close your crown chakra and stuff like this. You're messing with spiritual forces. So I think, you know, the way Joe Rogan makes dope so cool all the time, smoking dope all the time, I think a lot of young people are getting influenced and, you know, they're becoming apathetic. And, you know, doping a mobile phone is a young person's life these days. Where's the energy to go out there and change the world, you know? It's pacifying people, I think, that. Whole agenda which is what the hippie one was involved in as well you know
1: yeah people think it's awakening and enlightening and to a degree experiences with substances and i'm not condoning them folks just i'm just saying uh they can help you access new areas of life let's say or, or of, of your thinking and your sense of self duh, 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 duh. but ultimately a you got to keep that short-lived because otherwise, it's just spirals into in, in becoming habitual, which is addiction. Especially, and you're going to get that anyway if you've got severe childhood trauma, like I had. Yeah, I, I challenge you not to go down that pathway. It's it, you, you're going to think you found the key in the lock, and that's quite a. Hey, but you know, I, I me personally, I'm not complaining because I lived through it. But lots of my
0: mates, you know. I, got th- I just think it's dangerous to me to promote it so freely yeah. without any, you know, kind of warnings and that about it. There is the, a dark side to it, you know. The the
1: thing is, is that obviously where he lived in, it, what, what used to be California, it was legal. So he, but what they don't say, Billy, is from a spiritual perspective, it cuts off your serpent power. It cuts off the Kundalini. It, you know, it's a toxin. It's yeah. a toxin that a plant creates to say, Mammals don't eat me or I'm gonna make you feel awful but of course we've learned to cultivate it and and so you know that that that's that's one thing the the other thing as well is uh, the smoking is quite carcinogenic because it's it's carbon based and it hits the same spot in the throat uh, a lot of people run into difficulties with that when they've done it when they've been a toker for a few years funny enough and I'm not suggesting people do but To eat it is very alkaline. It's the because it's, you know, green green plant, basically.
0: We should actually be taking hemp oil, you know, CBD and stuff because we do have a cannabinoid system. And it's actually, if everyone was taking hemp oil, we don't have an immune system because there's no things flying through the air to form immunity from. But we have a health system and that gets rid of poisons and stuff. But if you take the, you know, regular doses of that, it strengthens you up and it makes you more healthy. It's mm-hmm. good for the human body. Yeah. It's so useful. Why is that plant illegal? It's just so shocking, you know?
1: Yeah. And hemp, that's not got the THC content, has it? So that's
0: that really is kind of medicinal. Um, well, there's different ones. You can get some with the THC, some without. Mm-hmm. There's lots of different companies these days. There's different grades. So you have to research the company you're getting it from if you just isolate the CBD, I think it's not as powerful as if you've got the whole plant in there because it's kind of worked together. But there's mm. certainly a lot of people these days getting a, a lot of relief from bad joints and their bones and stuff like that and back pain and various other ailments that why isn't the, you know, the, your local doctor giving this stuff out? He's giving mm. petrochemical-based drugs that people are already got acne, in, but they're just rubbing that in their face and it's toxic, more toxins in their body. Mm. But the, the hemp... They've got products like that, it's more natural, you know and they are effective, and not to mention all the other things that hemp does you know, paper and etc and replenishing even the soil, you can get make, it's good for the soil when you change over every year, you know so yeah, I mean that's a big it wasn't just a big, stopping people getting high, the reason for making marijuana legal, you know it was part of the oil industry wanting to make more profits oh well, uh, well that would free humanity up in a lot of ways if you used that plant more effectively yeah absolutely and it does it certainly
1: has got got a lot of a lot of a lot of uses my my thing to anyone out there and this is just a you know my experience because I've I did I, I I was like off my head for 30 years right? every day you know alcohol and and what what whatever and <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: I think but, alcohol is
1: much more much more dangerous. It's a very prevalent society. Uh, oh, you know? e- e- alcohol is the worst one, just <laughs> absolutely. You know, I've I've watched two of people I, I consider like my best mates, like in my inner circle. I watch them both drink themselves to death, and uh, it, 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 it's fucking horrible. It's just, and to see people in that state, and they're just trying to get out of the hospital to go home. No. because all they want no. to do and it's a tragedy it's horrible yeah when you're young you're going to do a load of things aren't you and i wouldn't i wouldn't lecture anyone but as you get older if you're trying to make that spiritual connection you're just going to kill it dead by put by by putting toxins in your body and essentially even though that that they, they have medicinal uses they're still top they're, it's still a foreign it's a plant that's saying don't eat me basically you're i'm going to make you really ill and what that does is it it cuts it cuts you off from the land of milk and honey. It just just want to chip that in there, friends, because uh, Doctor Chris,
0: no, <laughs> no, I'm not a doctor. But there is a lot of people these days on Reddit and stuff. There's whole groups of people all trying to get, get off dope, and it's like an addiction. And oh, it's it's one of the worst
1: ones, mate. It, getting off that is as worse. Well, not quite as bad as alcohol because alcohol's so acceptable, you know, and it's so yes. so easy to do. But Jesus, I remember back in the, the old days, Billy, when, when you went round someone's house and you got your, you got your makings out, and you rolled one, and he rolled one, and then they rolled, and 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 it was that was just how everybody lived in the nineties. Um, and and occasionally you get someone popping in and go, "Now I've, I've I've packed it in," um, and you'd be like, "How? How did you manage? Do you are you like a saint or something? Like none of us
0: can stop it. It was." Aye, I mean, whatever gets you through the night at the end of the day, you know, I think it's a lot less dangerous and harmful than smoke drinking in a house every day. I've never been one to get cans of beer at the fridge and sit and do that, you know. To me, drink is going out in a bar, having a few drinks and then feeling shit the next day and say, right. I mean, in back in my youth didn't get me wrong, I was crazy, you know. And uh, I just think that lifestyle is not good. If we're going to mature as a human race, we have to talk about what are we doing with our weekends, you know. Going out and just getting annihilated and just, oh, the party lifestyle, all that's kind of set up for us. It's like, again, the makers' week, weekend, weekend. We're out, you know, we worked all week, we're going to relax, we'll go and get annihilated. And is that fun? Is that improving ourselves? You know, I've just, um, because your audience is here and it's worth mentioning, there's a guy called William Katie who's been talking about the Constitution. He was on GB News yesterday. I think people, Because I think we need to stop the show, stop all the entertainment and everything until we sort the world out and realise, you know, this government has not got legitimate power over us. We, the people, have the power. And how are we going to stop that? You know, that's how I spend my time, trying to learn and improve, you know, Mm -hmm. and just try to wake people up to the urgency of the situation that we're in. And... To me, if people want to pay a look at that guy's interview, um it's worth looking at because we need solutions basically. You mentioned solutions earlier, you know. Like I've been doing a show called Shooting the Shit. I've done 290 episodes since the you know story, big story started. And yeah, I've been ranting and generating anger, but it's theatrical. But at the same time, I'm talking about solutions and spirituality and all these different things, just to try and generate interest in other people to go and look for these things themselves, because as you say, it's about taking the power back, but collectively we need an answer, and if that constitution, if they've been acting wrong- wrongfully, which the guy explains, how the jury system is supposed to work, because if the jury system is working correctly, we can kick out every n- unjust law, because it's not just a person on trial the laws on trial, so if you're getting put in jail for disobeying guidelines, then hold on, that law isn't right And the person that writes the law, they're the one that gets in trouble. So our whole system needs to go back to how it was originally intended. And once they've done that, that whole system actually, then people need to raise their consciousness so they can be part of the jury. And the whole, if the jury system was working right and the people were the sovereign power, we would have to change ourselves to match our new role almost. And this old way of partying and lifestyle and bullshit we have to let it go and try and step up to, you know, being sovereign beings and being responsible. Again, nobody wants to take it responsible. The thing about the whole scam was at least top people will, you know, they learn that the body's a detox now, the cold or the flu. So what you put in yourself is quite important. And not just food, water, air, and also things you take in your mind and the rubbish you watch on TV, you know, and etc. It's all you know, going into and your subconscious takes it yeah. all in, so be careful. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So
1: just want to come back to these comedians, Billy, because I'm not gonna get a chance to probably chat to a comedian about <laughs> about the greats and how they've affected you and how they've affected me. So Doug Stanhope, he's um he's just pretty out there, isn't
0: he? Well, like Doug because he's just, yeah, he's my kind of comedian. That's the comedians I like. I wanted to uh, try and be like them, you know, and push the boundaries and just... That's why you go to a comedy show. It's not like television. It's not like sitting in your house. You're going there to hear somebody be raw and real, you know, like the guy in the pub. That's what Billy Conley done. Mm. He wanted to be like the guys there. So why should you go on a comedy stage? I don't try and really change myself. I'm just an exaggerated version of myself. And I like... Pushing the boundaries and saying shit you're not supposed to, but then getting a laugh out of it—it's the best thing, you know. So, yeah, and some yeah. people in the audience will get it, but I'm, not everybody's going to get it. Doug Stanhope's got to a place that he can get his own audience there, and it's better. But you can't please everybody, and I know Mosh is not for everyone, which makes it even more difficult when I go on stage because you know, especially like during the Edinburgh Festival, I'm getting crowds of people in that don't know me from Adam. So usually what would happen, especially when I was doing obscure, Stewart, the first 10 minutes, about half the audience would leave, and then the rest that stayed, they were totally in there big time, you know? So that was my hardcore posse. <laughs> but yeah, Doug Stanhope's brilliant. He he what well, one time he does, let's have a go at the Jews. Why not? I've had to go at the Christians, I've had to go the at- <laughs> <laughs> But the thing is with Doug though,
1: as much as yeah, I I could listen to him forever, and he's a he's a he's a, a love lo- clearly a lovely man. I love the fact that he lives in a like a town in the desert where it's just cheap and he it just gets drunk all day long and, and 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 all the all the all the rest of it i'd imagine um he's he's very pessimistic about life though and he's like look i'm drinking myself to death that's that's I, yeah and i i kind of get that because it's what i did
0: for 30 years he's kind of trapped he's talked about somehow like he's not as funny he was doing a, a special and he done a warm up and he wasn't drinking, and it wasn't as good. And then, like, directly after the warm-up, it had a couple of beers, and people were saying, yeah, keep drinking, Doug, keep drinking. Drink yourself to death, because you're funnier, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. And Bill Hicks, obviously. Uh, have you ever seen that Bill Hicks clip where he gets a heckler in the audience? Yes,
0: my, my mother. And, uh... You suck, you get the fuck out of here right now get out fuck you. Fuck you you idiot you're everything that america should be flushed down the toilet you fucking turn fuck you get out
1: get out you fucking
0: drunk bitch.
1: take her out take her fucking out take her to somewhere that's good go see fucking madonna you fucking idiot piece of shit. he was trying to make some real like valid social point that that Everyone needed to be aware of, and she just called him asleep. Aye. I mean, like not awake, and and it went over her head. So she started acting up, and then and Aye. and then he he just he lost his shit, man. And like, get the fuck out!
0: I want it, you to baby, go and get a fucking soul.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, he yeah. was. He he got it though, didn't he? He got it. But again, somebody that that understood it to fight the spiritual battle, you
0: can't be a chain smoker. Well, he did stop for a while and then apparently the story is when he got told he got cancer again, when he got told he had pancreatic cancer he was in Australia, he just got a cigarette and started smoking until he died again. Yeah. But that's the official story, you know. I don't know, what do you think of the rumours about Alex Jones and stuff like this? Listen, I'd never laugh
1: at anything. Let's just say there's certain theories out there, what 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 you'd call conspiracy theories, that it's not... For me, I, I like to think I'd go on my all seeing eye, you know, my my third eye, pituitary, you know, p- pituitary and pineal gland. Oh, oh, oh! And and that's how I sort of judge things these days. And I just get a feel for what's going on, which is why we had that in depth bit about I say the name stealer, the Pretenders. It, it's not what everyone thinks. I, I really, I, you know, when you get spiritual, you can see how how the narrative has been warped and twisted in a way that your average Joe would have no idea. If you don't understand scripture because it's allegory, so lion isn't an animal that your vicar in church is going to tell you, right? And they do, you know, the the whole of the Church of England tell people that Samson fought a lion, blah, blah, blah. No, no, nonsense. What Was it allegory um, for to be a strong man you have to get over your ego. Lion means ego. You have to kill the lion. Kill your ego. Kill your ego, then you become less judgmental. You don't have to prove yourself. You learn to love yourself for what you are instead of what you perceive people want you to be. And as such, you grow spiritually and you make a much stronger connection with with, with what I call the all, the everything, right? So... Once when, when you develop these skills, you see life in a very different way. And when you meet people that literally you cannot have a conversation with because they are so into their narrative that that it becomes their identity. I'm a this, I believe in and you're like, yeah, but you know that can like easily be disproved so easily. little bit of science. Uh, or, or just go and speak to the people that will, that, you know, that have actually done the thing that you said is impossible. It's like the JFK thing. A lot of people don't realize all the stuff you, all the films you've ever seen about JFK, all the documentaries, they're all deep state CIA funded, all of them. The magic bullet narrative and the, and, and it was because when, when JFK was shot, 80% of Americans didn't believe it was Lee Harvey Oswald who's no. actually photographed outside the book depository as the, the, the cavalcade or whatever it's called went past. Uh-huh. They don't know that there's a Bruder film has had like so many frames removed from it. Uh-huh. They don't get the umbrella man that lists his umbrella as a signal to say the 12 snipers we've got have all missed him,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know, Go to the guy in the storm drain. That was the signal. Guy in the storm drain. So in the in the in the gutter in the street, who's crawled there? He's crawled half a mile through right. sewage right. to to, to, to Liner, who's actually a car salesman. Waits for JFK. Boom. That's why his head back. Bill Hicks, wasn't it? Back. Back into um, the lift. And like, if you don't know all this stuff, you know, if 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 if, if you don't. No, I mean the fascinating thing about JFK, Billy, is that that they switched the the the. Uh, I'm going to say allegedly, folks, for the sake of being polite to the family, but allegedly switched the cadaver. And um, when um, Lee Harvey Oswald was hiding in that cinema, which which he, you know, he did because I I, I can't remember if it's like immediately announced his name was the the guy there was uh, anyways he he was hiding in a cinema and there was a a police officer called j j i think it was jd Tippett. okay and everyone used to call jd Tippett jfk and the reason was he bore this striking resemblance to the president right and in that fracas where i believe it was lee harvey came out the cinema and the police tried to do this police officer was shot dead now here's the thing and again i'm just going to say allegedly it was because because they couldn't frame lee harvey oswald for shooting from the book depository because the bullet clearly came from the front it was someone in front of the car right they had to get a cadaver to to swap with the president so that it had the bullet in, in the back. Right. And this poor copper who'd done nothing to no one except uphold the law, hopefully, right. he was the patsy for, you know, he's, he, you're going to be, you're the victim, mate. You don't even know it. And, 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 and they capped him. And when you see that famous scene in, in uh, Air Force One, the, the presidential aircraft, where they're swearing in the new president, um, It's that's all bullshit. When the president dies automatically, the vice president becomes president. There's no swearing in ceremony. It's not an inauguration. You you automatic. But what it was is Jackie Kennedy wouldn't leave the coffin. Right. Which was in the back of Air Force One and they had to swap them over. Right. So they said, Jackie, you know, you've got to come up front now because we're going to swear in the new president, and you know, you you really need to be there. And of course, this is a woman in shock, and she, you can see her; she's just stood next to the, you know, the 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 the, the next president, just face all that. And that was because they were swapping the the caskets over. Right. And when the family went went to um, visit the body, the first thing. Uh, Jackie Kennedy, now Jackie Onassis, isn't it? Said, so she said, That's not my husband. That's the first thing she said. That's not my husband. Um, even there's a great documentary. I think it's called Everything Is a Rich Man's Trick. It talks all through this. They even paid a plastic surgeon to come to recreate this cadaver so it it not only looked like they they like took his hairline back a bit, you know? <laughs> and they 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 play with a wound to make it. You know, so it, like, if you're not aware of all this stuff, whether you believe it or not, is that's not the point. The point is if you're not aware, how how can you make your mind up online? You know?
0: Well, that's what I realised that when I watched that video and then watched the news, it says, well, I know very little of what's going on here, obviously. So that's what makes you want to research to mm-hmm. find out. Exactly.
1: And on that note, Billy, I think we should end because I, I would encourage all of our friends at home watching, research, get into life. It's been an incredible journey for me.
0: Yep, definitely. We don't change. I think David Ike says if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. So it's up to you to make the change.
1: Billy, you're a lovely, lovely man. Please take all my love to uh, to Scotland. Um, really look forward to seeing you soon. Stay obviously stay on the line so I can thank you properly. What we're gonna do, mate, put all your links below. Folks, get over and support this wonderful gentleman. Um, because people that stand up for children, you know, they're the ones that need supporting. All these ones you see in Hollywood on the stage, they all know they're controlled opposite. They, they, they there's certain things you just can't say. But uh yeah, folks. Get on and support this man. So massive love to you all. Uh, Really look forward to chatting again soon. And uh, if you can like and subscribe and hit the notification bell, if indeed you did like it, that would be ace.